It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson here, and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network, and it's Friday. Yes, it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the roundtable. I got Luke Inman. I got Sam Ekstrom. I got Reggie Wilson. And, fellas, we got to get locked in on this menu. So what you got on the menu today? Yeah, well, Ron, both Kwesi and KOC got up to the Combine podium saying the praises of Justin Jefferson. So how quickly could an extension get done, and what does that contract look like when it's all said and done? I heard the most awkward press conference yesterday with Mark Coyle, and it did not have to be that way. Yeah, and Anthony Edwards, Jeremy Lin, is Shaq really watching basketball? (laughs) Wow. Well, report cards. We all went to high school. We all hated report cards. The report card grades came out for the first time ever by the NFLPA. Who was first? Who was worse? And who doesn't let their players in the building when the days are off? We'll talk about that next on the on the roundtable. Well, fellas, I want to make sure everybody remembers this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. The 12th Selection Sunday. You're going to want your props. You're going to want your parlays. Jump on the FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. Well, fellas, we got to start out there. And everybody loves a good report card if you're a parent. Everybody hates a report card if you're a kid. And here's what the NFLPA did. They asked every team to kind of give us your ups and downs, and they came up with this. Treatment of families, nutrition, weight room, strength staff, training room, training staff, locker room, and travel. Now, when you think about millionaire, billionaire owners, travel, Training staff, well, not training, travel, locker room, and nutrition, and treatment of families. Like, if you're not getting the A in the stuff you can afford, there's a problem. And so the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll start off here, and I'll, and I'll kick it to you, Luke. The Minnesota Vikings, they were first. The Cardinals were 31st. Guess who was last? The guy who was trying to sell his team off, and that's Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. No surprise there. Clearly, there's been issues there from the start. We've always heard it. Now we're hearing the dude spends $4.5 million to himself to put his own logo on his own plane. If that's not stealing money, I don't know what is, but I'll start with you, Luke. When you saw these report cards come out and you saw the Vikings were number one, they got A's across the board. What did you think about that? Yeah, it's a tremendous look, Ron, for the Wilfs. They put so many of their resources, so much money into the facilities, the stadium the past six, seven years, and it's a great look for the team image just as a whole. I can't help but wonder when it comes to some of the strength stuff, the weight room, things like that, how much of this has to do with the contrast of what they had prior to this new chapter with Eric Sugarman and their apparent, some of the players disdain for him and just kind of how he ran things. What I'm also kind of curious about here, Ron, how much do you think this moves the needle? Like as a free agent player, when I'm on the fence between a team like the Vikings with the top of the line facilities and training staff versus a team like the Cardinals, who you mentioned, or Washington, you're a former player in the NFL. If, if, you know, you've got it down to these two options, how much does this become a factor, this off-the-field stuff, in your opinion? That's what I, I'm curious about. I think it's huge. But what you got, Sam? Yeah, I, I think Luke hit the nail on the head is that I think players that 
were a player under Mike Zimmer with the previous training staff. They they put a focus on this. They shone the spotlight on this is a much better situation for us. Mm-hmm. You see the veterans getting more days off, not practicing quite as hard, not hitting quite as much. That's very player-friendly. Um, nobody, I don't think, was forced to play through injury. That might have been an issue before. Um, and just the general morale around the building seemed a lot higher. It was a very family-friendly environment. So clearly, this is a big endorsement for the Kevin O'Connell era, the quasi Adolfo Mensa regime. Uh, this is a feather in their cap. And this may very well, as Luke said, play a role in this upcoming free agency and future free agencies. Yeah, Reggie, what you got? Yeah, I think what stood out to me, especially listening to Kevin O'Connell talk at the Combine, and he was just saying, like, look, it's not surprising because that's just what we prepared to do when we got here. I think the the biggest thing for me is they came in preaching culture. They came in preaching a collaborative approach. And, you know, we heard from a lot of the guys after Mike Zimmer left about how they were just not all that thrilled with how things were being run before Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi and the new regime came in. And they came in there and they talked it, but then they also put it into into motion. I think that's the biggest part for me because the, the report card seems to indicate that they weren't just all talk. They backed up what they said. Throughout the season, you know, going into the locker room, Dalvin Cook, week after week, I feel like he said, oh, man, I love coming into work every day. That just kind of speaks to the the culture that they built and the report cards showed it. What, what I think is crazy, though, is like you said, Ron, billionaire owners. I looked through that. They got rats in Jacksonville, not working showers and toilets in Cincinnati. Arizona charging people to come in and eat like how is that a thing for these owners that are making billions of dollars off the NFL like everybody should have a a good report card like the the Vikings does why is that the case yeah well you got owners that are cheap you got owners that don't care and here's where I go with it with J.C. Treader. So you look at the NFLPA, and here's a couple statements I want you guys to rebuttal about too real quick. We'll take 30 seconds on that. But here's some of the statements. The categories of nutrition, weight room, and all the other stuff. He said the commanders receive an F for treatment of families. Like, what are y'all doing to these wives and kids? But then they got an F. I didn't even know you can get an F minus. How do you get an F minus in your training room, locker room, and team travel? Like you are a bit, and this is the problem, Dan Snyder. And I, I I was with the Washington commanders for a little bit. And I remember being at practice and Daniel Snyder pulls up in his helicopter. We're in the middle of practice. He pulls up in his helicopter and then he, he, he whistles over for a couple superstars like Santana Moss to come just meet his friends. And so now when you're hearing comments like, oh, he treated this like his personal piggy bank. He treated this like his little uh, 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 hobby. I believe it because I saw it. He pulled up in a helicopter during practice and pulled practice players out of practice just to come meet his friends that were on his chopper with him, and then he took off. And so when you're putting your you're, – you're charging your team. So it's your team, and you're asking your team to give you $4.5 million into your own personal pocket because he does have minority owners within his group, so it's a, it's a collective. So he's asking all those guys to pay him to put their logo, which is his logo, on his own plane. That's stealing money. That four and a half million should be going to maybe taking care of the families, doing some stuff. Here's some other comments he made. He said, I'm not expecting families or sorry, teams to knock down the facilities and start over from scratch uh, in the next three months. But I want year two of this report card to see improvement. And if it doesn't get improved, 
we will see where these teams stand right away. And this is going to affect a lot of these players when choosing where they want to go, which Reggie you brought that up. He said the survey found three teams don't provide dinners to players on work days. Six teams don't give players first class seats when they travel on the plane, especially offensive linemen. Seven teams, uh, seven teams have their players rooming together when they're on the road. Like once you're a rookie, I get it. You you have to because that's kind of the rule. But when you're a vet, you have the option to pay for the other half of your room. Who's not going to pay like 100 bucks or 75 bucks when they make, you know, whatever, a million dollars a year just to have some comfort and sleep in your own room by yourself? The Bengals, for example, were the only team to not provide supplements for their players. And the cafeteria, uh, he said, on days off, the players were asked to come in to work out even on days off. But if they wanted to work out, they had to ask because if they did not ask, it was locked. What kind of what does that mean? That doesn't make sense to me that the, the facility is locked. Now I get like your code not working. We saw that joke with the Jets, but come on now. You're locking the facility. This is their job. Like who can't go to their own job and get in if they need to work late? And that's the problem with this. And so I start with you, Reggie, real quick. When you hear this, when he says, I need to see year two improvement on these report cards, what do you think that means? That means these owners better step it up because now they've been exposed like this report card is quite quite like damning for the league that like it's embarrassing if you're owner reading this like you'd be embarrassed like i i would be embarrassed to know that you know my players are thinking this about look man beyond anything else the rats in jacksonville <laughs> they got rats in the locker room and the laundry hampers like what are they doing? The Rams, they got this brand new state-of-the-art stadium, but they don't have their own team facility outside of that. They're going in and working out and in their facility when they're not playing games is some makeshift place that, that they've yet to, to improve on. Their, their building is yet to be built for them to go and, and do what they need to do. I think that's just it just doesn't make any sense that these owners make all this money, but they can't provide the proper level of accommodations for their players. Sam, what you think about this though? If the Vikings starting off with all A's is hard to maintain. If there was a drop somewhere, how do you think that affects the Vikings? Gosh, I mean, if there is a drop, that means something obviously went wrong with the leadership in the building. I don't foresee that happening mm -hmm. under this staff, especially with the pride they have in, in getting straight A's. I, my mind just goes to what if this survey had been taken five years earlier, not only would you have had the Zimmer and Sugarman influence, but you would have been in one of the oldest stadiums True. and one of the oldest training facilities in the NFL. I mean, you hear the stories about Winter Park with, you know, guys shoulder to shoulder in the training room and VEN trying to work out of a broom closet. Like <laughs> it, it, They probably would have been 31st, like in 2016. Um, so it's just a, it's an amazing snapshot into where they have come as a franchise in really just the last decade. Well, fellas, we're going to jump over to the next topic, but before we do, we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Here to tell you that today's show is powered by FanDuel. As the NBA and NHL come down the stretch, now's a great time to jump in the action at FanDuel. Get a no-sweat first bet if you're a new customer at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the super easy-to-use FanDuel app, and when you win, you get paid instantly. Plus, with the same-game parlays, you have a chance to stack your bets 
for a bigger payout. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, where they have all sorts of great deals, including a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 back. If your bet doesn't win, make every moment more with FanDuel. And people, remember, you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on your Amazon Fire and your Roku TV. Just go search Locked On Sports Minnesota. You have the app right there on your TV. You'll see all of our videos, all of our shows. Well, we got to jump into this next topic. The NFL Combine is off to a blazing start. You're seeing defense alignment running 4-3-9. Like, what is going on? But then you see these coaches hit the podium, and there's a lot of podium uh, thoughts when some coaches could say, oh, yeah, like you look at the Miami Dolphins. They could easily say, yeah, we're looking to uh, extend to it. We're going to pick up his option. We're going to do – they didn't say that. You could see some teams say, oh, yeah, where we want to do – but they don't say that. But Kevin O'Connell and Quasey did say they love Justin Jefferson and they want to get a deal done. Now, me and Sam played a game of put in the fridge, eat, or throw in the trash with three players. And when you think about that contract, and I can't remember who we used. I think it was Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then Justin Jefferson. I think we're our three, yeah. Sam. Yep. And so I said, I'm going to put Justin Jefferson uh, in the fridge because I'm ready to uh, – I no, want to save – No, no, no. I'm eating Justin you're Jefferson because I want to. I want that now. I want to <laughs> make a contract work now. I'm putting Dalvin Tomlinson in the fridge because I do want to make it work, but I'm just not ready for it right now. And then I said I got to throw Dalvin Cook away because of this offense, and it sounds like that's where they're going. They want to pass the ball. They don't need a true running back, uh, and that's going to be tough when you – you know, I can't – they can't afford a, a $10, 15000000 million a year running back. So when you think about that, Luke's, Luke's topic was – how quick does this deal get done with Justin Jefferson? And do, do their comments kind of force the hand of his agent to say, hey, well, let's put something together. If you guys want to do it, we want to do it. Justin said he wants to be here. He said he said he wants to be where he's wanted. And clearly they wanted to show him he's wanted. So I start with you, Luke. What does this mean for Justin Jefferson and his contract? Yeah, glowing praise from both of them. A good, you know, if the if the presser was 15, 20 minutes, I'm, I'm telling you, five, six of it was all about Justin Jefferson. So when the head coach and the GM both say it's a high priority to keep this guy around, then you almost know a deal is trying to get done behind the scenes as we speak. And they could wait if they wanted to. I mean, he's still got another two years left on his rookie deal. But I just think kicking the can down the road is only going to cost them more in the long run. I look at the Tyreek Hill. I look at the Devontae Adams deals. I think that's what makes the most sense here. Year, sitting around 30 million a year and it sounds like a lot but that's just the going rate for a superstar wide receiver in the NFL right now he's been one of the best wide receivers in the league as we know the last three seasons first three seasons in the league and he's also one of the most marketable players in the league too just from the ownership standpoint he's electric he's gonna help you sell a lot of jerseys put fans in the seats and maybe even get an extra prime time game or two every year on the schedule so something like a six-year deal I think is what makes the most sense that'll keep him here the majority of his prime at a realistic cost which I think is just a win-win for everybody I think you see this deal get done first then we see what happens with Kirk Hunter TJ Hawkinson everyone else uh, moving forward after that and I'll throw some numbers out to you, Reggie, before you jump into yours. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel. And then you got Terry McLaurin making $69 million a year. But you got Tyreek Hill at 120. You got Devontae Adams at 140. You got DeAndre Hopkins at 54. And then you got Cooper Cup at 80 million, which we know he took a team-friendly deal. And so that's where we find ourselves with Justin Jefferson. Is he going to be a Cooper Cup? Or is he going to want to be a Devontae Adams or a Tyreek Hill? I go to you, Reggie Wilson. 
I think he beats all those guys. I think the the cool thing about where he sits is he's younger than all these guys. Yeah. But he probably has the most upside just because, like, he continues to ascend year after year after year. He is outdoing what he did the year before. And so, look, there is no reason for him to take a team-friendly deal. He's a young guy. He deserves to get, like, honestly, they should just give him a blank check and say, hey, uh, <laughs> what, what do you want? What do you want? Let me just write that in there. Here you go. All right, we can do this. Cool. Like, I, I think that's the the biggest thing. But I think the one thing that you kind of have to weigh is if you do go ahead and give him whatever amount, you break the Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill contracts, I think now you think about, okay, how do we get all the other guys paid? Or, you know, now, too, like, you invest in this wide receiver, you have to invest in someone throwing him the ball. You can't just like invest in him. And then you don't have someone who can consistently get him the ball so he can continue to make plays. So I think maybe like a, he and cousins thing kind of go hand in hand because they've continued to to cook year after year. And you kind of have to keep that going. But what does that mean cap wise? When you talk about tying up both of these guys with significant amount of dollars. Yeah, Sam, what you got? Yeah, this is where Justin Jefferson starts the negotiation. Six years, $200 million. Oh, my goodness. It's a no-brainer that he is setting the bar. The bar is $30 million and he's exceeding it. Six oh. years, $200 million, fully guaranteed. That's $33.3 million per year. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, that's where it starts oh, man. That's dangerous. with Justin Jefferson. That's, that's what his camp presents. Maybe the Vikings try to knock it down one year. Maybe they try to knock down the guaranteed money. But the signing bonus is the key here contractually because he's going to ask for a huge signing bonus. That's going to be fully guaranteed. Can the Vikings find a way that that signing bonus doesn't hit the cap until a couple years down the road? Maybe he can play out the final year of his rookie contract. They buy out the fifth-year option, and then it all kicks in in 2024. But ideally – he could play this year without having any new money come into the salary cap. Because if it does, that could get pretty expensive. If you've got a gigantic signing bonus and like one-fifth of it has to hit the books this year, because usually that's prorated, um, that's a lot of money. And the Vikings are going to have to plan for this years in advance. But I think he's worth every penny, guys. I think he's one of the most valuable assets non-quarterback in the NFL. JJ Man, and Kirk need to get together and have a conversation and say, listen, I don't want to be the only guy taking a team-friendly deal. We got to both be in on it. That would be great if the Vikings got a little discount with both of them. But, yeah, you're right, Sam, regardless. JJ's getting paid either way. Yeah, and I look at this Cooper Cup deal, and I get it. He's not, he definitely does, shouldn't do what Cooper Cup did. Cooper Cup only took an $80 million deal, uh, but we got it. He did just won the Super Bowl, so he was trying to figure out how to keep this team together. Matthew Stafford gets hurt. doesn't work. Devontae Adams, on the other hand, $140 million deal, but now he's searching for a quarterback. He's hoping to get somebody there. He had $22 million fully guaranteed. He has sixty-five million in total guarantees, and so a lot of his is in incentives. And I know Justin Jarrett, I know a lot of players don't like doing that because that incentive, uh, and, and we know, it's it's Reggie, Reggie Wayne bought this up before because Tony Dungy and him had this conversation about he was like, I don't know, 500. He would have got a million dollars if he had like, I don't know, 50 more yards or something in the game. And he rested for the playoff game, like the rest of the half. And Tony came to him later and said, man, if you just told me, I would have put you back in and let you get your 50 yards. Uh, but he's like, man, the playoffs matter more. So 
there's a lot into that. There are some coaches that believe the Tony Dungy method where I don't care if you get your bonuses. And there's some coaches that listen to the owners. I don't think Kevin O'Connell's that guy. And that's why I would, I would say, Hey, look, how can we get a lot of these? No, we know we're going to hit these numbers, like hundred catches, then 120 catches. Like some of the numbers, you know, you're going to hit, put those in incentives. That way it hits the cap later mm-hmm. and it hits it differently. Like if you know, for sure, like he's going to be a hundred catch guy, in my opinion, for a while. And so you have to figure that out. Like, how do we how do we work this in there? He's going to be a thousand yard guy easily every year. You know, how do you work in if he hits two thousand? Maybe that's a five million dollar bonus. I mean, there's a lot of things in there you can work in. Eighteen hundred yards gets you this. Um, they've got to figure it out. But again, they got the time to do it. Next one, we got to talk about Lindsey Whalen. Lindsey Whalen is the goat. She is the greatest women's basketball player in Golden Gophers history. She's one of the best WNBA players in the history, one of the most winningest players, gold medals, medals in the Olympics. She won four championships with the Minnesota Lynx, and she tried to be a head coach. And a lot of players say, like Michael Jordan, you know, a lot of people say the greats, it's tough to coach because you were great. And so you're expecting greatness the way you wanted it every single time. And some players can play up to it, which Mara Braun clearly can. We saw her tweet and her message on Instagram about Lindsay, this relationship with us is forever. I don't care if you resign. So clearly Mara Braun took to Lindsay Whalen, but we saw a lot of girls transfer under Lindsay Whalen because of that. It's the same Michael Jordan effect. When you talk about players like uh, what's the guy that came out, the crazy guy, uh, Brown, Kwame Brown, talking about how Michael Jordan, you know, just beat him down and how he mentally like wish he had took care of him as a 17, 18 year old of high school. But he just, you know, he beat him down. And Kobe Bryant, same way, like greats. It's tough to be a coach when you're a great. And I think that's what Lindsay Whalen ran into. Uh, you look at Steve Kerr. He was just a guy on the team. And maybe that's why Ben Johnson might work because he was just a guy on the team. And so I go with you, Reggie. Lindsey Whalen resigns. Ben Johnson turns around and they lose to Penn State. Ben Johnson turned around and upsets Rutgers with a last second three-pointer. 72 to 74, they're down. And they don't try to tie it. They go for the dagger. And Jamison Battle knocks it down. They win 75-74 after review. I don't know why they reviewed it. Clearly, he let the ball go. But they had to review it and they won. What does this mean, though, for Lindsey Whalen's legacy? And then what does this mean for Mark Coyle? Because I know Sam has has something to say about his press conference. <laughs> what you got, Reggie? Yeah, I, I just think um, it, it was – part of it feels premature just because she just came off of the highest-rated recruiting class yep. in program history. And there were people at the presser who were asking, like, hey, why not just give it another year? You know, uh, after the loss to Penn State, she was talking Mm -hmm. about how proud she was of the group and how excited she was looking forward with that present group that, you know, had just come in. Mm -hmm. Now, look, she lost a lot of players last year to the portal and all that, but she did bring in this class. And so you kind of you kind of hate to see that you she won't get to see it through. But then also you look at it and it's like, man, she did get five seasons and the first two seasons winning record the last three seasons they they had losing records the last three and Mm -hmm. I don't know I I feel like you know she was given that job and didn't have any prior head coaching experience but she's the GOAT and I think maybe you give the GOAT a little bit longer of a leash you know she didn't show up to the presser yesterday which was bizarre she later clarified with the tweet saying that you know she just got too overcome with the motion in the elevator on the way to the presser so she'll Mm -hmm. talk at a later time but it was just kind of weird how Mark Coyle was sitting up there just trying to spin it 
that it was a mutual decision to part ways and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't really give that vibe at all. And so that whole thing was just bizarre. And I'm interested to see who Coyle brings in to replace somebody like Lindsey Whalen. He's got to bring in Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has to come in. (laughs) Sam, what you got? Oh, boy. Um, Well, Ron, we talked about it on your show that the resume for Whalen wasn't great. Five years in, didn't see a lot of success. I I am okay with the decision to to move on. But the way it was framed yesterday hung Lindsay out to dry Mm -hmm. and hung Mark Coyle out to dry by his own doing. They, They clearly came up with a story. The story was going to be, okay, Lindsay, to save face for you, we're going to tell the people this was mutual and this is how it was decided. We had these apparently elaborate conversations at the Final Four last year and then several weeks ago and agreed the time was right. And Mark Coyle just kept recycling the same line over and over. Yeah, he kept repeating it. He didn't have any because there was no detail. Like this was clearly – come up with beforehand as a a PR line. And he didn't have any more to add because there was no more to it. There were no details because I'm not even sure they actually happened. Um, Mark Coyle, his strength is making money for the university, working the phones. He's got a big Rolodex. He's been, you know, around a lot of programs. He can find coaches. His strength is not crisis management. His strength is not press conferences. So for him to be thrown out there and try to answer these tough questions about a situation that wasn't necessarily true, it was cringeworthy. Um, And he already is caught in a lie because he said that Lindsay was meeting with her staff. That's why she couldn't make it. And then Lindsay disagrees with that on Twitter and says, no, (laughs) I was just emotional and didn't want to show up. I played when Lindsay Whalen was there. Lindsay and I are friends. Uh, she's been a great friend over the years. Uh, when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame at the U of M, she was there. Uh, she was also inducted that same year into the NBA uh, Hall of, or sorry, to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And her and I chatted on the field uh, during that game as well. Got to see her jacket. So we've been friends for a while, like in, in for a long time. Got to hang out with her down in China in the 2008 Olympics. Um, so it's it's tough for me as a friend. Uh, because I agree with you, Sam, like the, the, the Mark Coyle back and forth and then Reggie, same thing, repeating it over and over. Clearly, there was some dismay. Clearly, there wasn't an agreement completely. Um, you don't like premeditatedly re- resign and then not show up to the presser. It seemed like maybe it was kind of a quick one. And also, this is the funny thing. Mark Coyle probably was saved because Ben Johnson winning allows him to not have to fire both coaches in the same year. Because I don't know if anybody's ever had to do that. I know Mark, or not Mark Coyle, but I know before the Gophers lost their basketball and football coach with Mason uh, in this and Munson in the same year. So, you know, I don't think you want to lose both basketball coaches. But Lindsay's the GOAT. You know, I hope that, you know, she takes a year away, whatever she's going to do, and then she comes back to basketball and definitely around Gophers basketball because she is the best of all time. She is going to still help recruit. Uh, people still want to meet her, talk to her, see her, and the girls clearly love her. Um, but before we jump into this next topic, because we got to talk about this one and we, we have to, because Shaquille O'Neal, and I love what Reggie said. And so we're going to, we're going to let him pop off to start it, but Shaquille O'Neal compared Anthony Edwards to the career of Jeremy Lin and not directly, but indirectly. And I just think Shaq, I get it. Like the, the job on TV is to make a sensational comment. 
Uh, they're really hard on the current players. You see a lot. I mean, Kevin Durant is constantly fighting with Barkley and Shaq every night now on Twitter. Every night he's making a comment about, I don't care what they say. Like, clearly they want me to go play with like five five dudes that they never played high school basketball before. And that's the only way they're going to uh, rectify my or give me credit for winning the championship. So at this point, I don't care. Screw them. I'm going to go play with Devin Booker. But he made a comment about Anthony Edwards, and we have to talk about that. But before we do, we have a word from our sponsors. Built Bar, a delicious treat. Without the fat and calories, you got to try Built Bars. They are healthy and tasty. That's an amazing combo. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have unbelievable flavors. Brownie batter, churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. Only four grams of sugar, but they pack 17 grams of protein into Built Bars. I don't know how they do it, but they figure it out, and they nail it every single time. You can get Built Bars now in store at Walmart or Sam's Club. Go to the pharmacy section, get the four-bar box or the 13-bar box. You can also order Built Bars online at Built.com with the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. Go buy some Built Bars today. And Locked On Sports Minnesota is a proud partner and uh, a supporter with Care11. Go to Care11.com backslash Locked On to get all of our videos, all of our shows, and also on Twitter. Care11 loves to retweet the good stuff, so make sure you follow them on Twitter as well. Just head to Twitter, search Care11. And you'll see a lot of the locked on stuff as well in there. Well, we got to jump into this one with Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Edwards. Never thought I'd put those two in the same sentence, but they're in the same sentence. I'm going to start with you, Reggie. Shaquille O'Neal's comment was, you have to do this every year. One, one hot season doesn't make you a legend, doesn't make you a great. You got to do it every year. And then he said, yeah, because remember Jeremy Lin had that hot season, which he did. And he's like, and where is he at now? We're, we're not even talking about him anymore. So Shaquille O'Neal is just saying, he's not saying Anthony Edwards is Jeremy Lin. He's just saying, don't have a Jeremy Lin type of career. Do this every year. Do this every night. Dominate. And you'll be one of the greats. But for Anthony Edwards to do that, he has to dominate every night. He has to, the team has to win. Wins matter. If you play on a losing team every year and you score points, you can't be considered one of the greats. And so I'll start with you, Reggie. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on Shaq? He could have picked anybody <laughs> anybody else and he goes jeremy lynn lynn sanity okay so <laughs> here's why he's just totally off base here jeremy lynn came to prominence in 2011 after having been overseas in china playing basketball he didn't get drafted out of harvard like that was that was his thing anthony edwards was a top draft pick in 2020 draft like you can't compare the two. Jeremy Lin had a 26-game stretch that was just outrageous. But then after that, he really wasn't much. Like, in terms of, of being a, a great guy, like, he didn't have the expectations that Anthony Edwards had coming out where he was the number one overall draft pick and expected to be the lead of the franchise. You look at uh, Anthony Edwards' stats – Rookie season, 19.3 points a game. Last year, 21.3 points a game. This year, an all-star, averaging nearly 25 points a game. He's been leading the Wolves without Cat for the last 30-plus games. How do you even fix your face to compare the two guys? I think it's just – that just seemed like that was top of mind to him, like, oh, a dude who was good and then he wasn't. Jeremy Lin. It's like, what? Like, Shaq. Tell me you don't watch hoops without telling me you don't watch hoops as a person who is sitting on TNT every week to talk about hoops. 
Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Anthony Edwards, yes, there's a lot of pressure for him to dominate, as he would say all the time. But, like, he's still a young player, a young ascending player, only in his third year in the league. Cut him some slack. Don't compare him to Jeremy Lin. Can you think of somebody else to, to compare him to right now? Because his body of work is already crushing what Jeremy Lin did in his whole career. Yeah, what you got, Sam? Yeah, um, couldn't be more apples and oranges between the two. Jeremy Lin was a literal flash in the pan in New York um, when he came on the scene and he had one month in February where he averaged something like 20 points a game, uh, four rebounds, eight assists for one month, right? But he was on three different teams in the NBA in his first three years. He was playing overseas, like Reggie said, Anthony Edwards is not some kind of enigma. I mean, he was good as a rookie. He was the second or first or best player, maybe, on last year's playoff team. So it's not as if he's been doing nothing and is suddenly doing something. He's played 208 games in his career, and he's averaging over 20 points and five rebounds and four assists. Like, this is not some new um uh, concept that he's suddenly a great player in this league. So I, Shaq, Shaq is cuckoo. Like he's he's losing it with this one. <laughs> what you got, Luke? Yeah, yeah, not too much to add there. I mean, again, Reggie said it. He's playing at an all-star level. He was the number one overall pick for a reason. He's still one of the youngest players in the league. He's had two different presidents of operation his first three seasons. And I know whether it was D'Lo or Pat Bev or Ricky Rubio, now Conley, this front office is going to keep trying to do everything they can to just give Ant what they think he needs to keep getting better. And sometimes you're only as good as the players around you, but this is his team. He's the face of the franchise from here on out for good or bad. And they just need to keep doing everything they can to just fast track his development as quickly as they can. And I do think out of all those point guards he's played with, I think I still think Conley is going to get the most out of him and help him become who we all know he can be. And that's a legitimate superstar in this league night in and night out moving forward. Yeah. And and I go with this. I hate to say it. I get Shaq. I get it. Like, I understand exactly what he's saying. And and Jeremy Lin probably was a bad name to use because Jeremy Lin didn't do anything for a full season. Like Sam said, he was a flash of like a month or two of Lin sanity. And then after that, you know, he used that to parlay a couple more pickups on different teams. And, you know, he had to get a Nike shoe deal for or Nike deal for a little bit where they were selling Lin sanity T-shirts. Um, but, yeah, like you can't. You can't put those two together because Anthony Edwards has not been doing it for just a month or two. He's clearly good. He's clearly going to be a beast. He just has to be put in the right situation. Uh, But I will say, I get it. I get it. Like, he wants to see more. What can you do, young fella? Give me more. I want to see more. And that's that's what Shaq is asking. Is like, I can't see a 40-point night and then a 12-point night and then a 50-point night and then a 12-point night. I think he wants like Anthony Edwards to, to kind of be Devin Booker, like be that guy, go, go out and get it young fella every night. And I've said that Sam, Anthony Edwards has to be the guy to go get it every night. And I think You're that's right. what Shaq's asking is I know. Cause Shaq doesn't just talk about nobodies. He's going to talk about the guys that he knows he can push and the guys he's trying to like, he wants to be a big brother on TV almost. 
And so it comes off wrong because it is on TV and it's not like a text message. But he wants those guys to be challenged and go out and be good. I think, honestly, I think that's what they're doing for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is just sensitive. And so he gets mad every time they say something about him. But we got to move on real quick before we jump out. Uh, sorry, real quick before we end the show. We got some fast-paced questions, fellas. Just take 15 to 30 seconds quick. Just give your quick, immediate action. I'm going to give you some topics. and We're going to blow through these before we get out of here. Um, Kirill Kaprizov. He's been magnificent for the wild. Where does he rank among the talented stars, young stars in the Twin Cities? If you put Justin Jefferson, Kirill Kaprizov, and Anthony Edwards in there, um, like where would you put him in those with that? I mean, KJ Osborne, uh, but where would you put Kirill Kaprizov with the Justin Jefferson and Anthony Edwards? Uh, you know, when you look at the big three of Minneapolis right now, I'll start with you, Luke. Yeah, let's throw a Byron Buxton in there too, or is he too old? Is he past that yeah. threshold? He's on Buxton's the edge. Superstar on the edge. He's on the edge. All right. He's I think 29. Justin Jefferson's got to be at the top for me just because he's playing a position that we've watched become maybe the second most important position in football behind the quarterback. Just the way the game's played now in the NFL with all the rules favoring this pass happy league, wideouts are so important to a team, and he's the best wideout in the league. Uh, then I'll put Kirill not far behind him in second, and then I guess Ant maybe third as of now. But I'm telling you, on any given day or any given week, any one of these guys could make a strong case for number one. That's how close they are just from a pure raw talent perspective. So it's been a lot of fun to watch for fans. Reggie, what you got? Yeah, I, I think because this is the state of hockey, I think Kirill gets the edge over a guy like Ant. But I agree with Luke. Like Jefferson is clearly number one in this, but Kaprizov is right there. I envision like a T-shirt or like a bobblehead collection or something <laughs> like that of – Kirill, JJ, and and like Carlos Correa or something. He's at 28, so he's the oldest of the young mm -hmm. guys. But like those four are kind of on like that that shirt, like stepbrothers, where they're just like you know posing for him. But like those are the guys, and that's a very exciting core of people here in the Twin Cities. I guess maybe you throw um, whenever he gets back over here too. Maybe you throw Emmanuel Reynoso in there as well. What you got, Luke? Or sorry, Sam. Yeah, um, I, I think that Edwards is more popular nationally. I think he's probably more popular locally, and he's more marketable. But what Kirill Kaprizov is doing right now is insane. I mean, he's up to fifth in goals now in the NHL, and he is literally carrying his team to victories. In two of the last three games, Kaprizov has scored 100% of the Wilds' goals, and they've won. He's scoring all of them, and uh, wow. it's leading to victories, and he's actually performing in the playoffs as well on a pretty big stage. So just the way that he's he's transformed that team that doesn't have a ton of depth and he's really just carrying them, uh, I think Kaprizov is actually number two behind Jefferson on my list. The craziest thing is you look at the Twins, you look at the Wild, you look at the Wolves, and you look at the, the Vikings. They theoretically have three playoff teams – and maybe four if the Twins can get it together. But they could have three playoff teams this year because the Vikings made it. The Wild are probably going to be in, most likely. And then you got the, the Timberwolves, who theoretically are just teeter-tottering because the West is such a, a, a juggernaut. But I'm going to go Justin Jefferson because he's nationally – like, he's he's globally – like, mm -hmm. he's a global athlete. He's on a different echelon than those guys because you got guys grittying now in hockey. You got people grittying in other countries when they score a soccer goal in the World Cup. I mean, it's – I mean, the Olympics, there's going to be a gritty in the Olympics, I'm pretty sure – 
uh, in the next coming up Olympics when somebody does something, wins a gold medal or breaks a record, you know, like Usain Bolt, if he could run steel and, and compete at a high level, he would gritty after he won the 100 meters and the 200. So Justin Jefferson, and then I'm going to go Kareel. I think Kareel night in and night out is more sustainable right now than Anthony Edwards, and I, I'm going back to Shaq. Prove it to me every night, young fella. Here's another quick one. The pitch count. The pitch count meter. Right now, there was a 22nd, 22nd strikeout. Three pitches in 20 seconds, and the dude struck out. And some people like it. Some people hate it. I personally like it because if I can get a minute and you're done with an inning, wow. Or the top of an inning, wow. Thank you. Let, let's do it. I'm willing to sit there and watch this. Then no more sitting there teetering. You're seeing batters now get penalties for not getting in the box fast enough, and they're doing all their crap and fixing their wrists and doing their bat and putting pine tar on and checking their, their illegal bat. Really quick, are you a fan of the pitch clock uh, right now going on in train in spring training? I'll go with you, Reggie. Love it, man. I love it. It was funny. Uh, Carlos Correa's first at bat on Wednesday, he started to step out of the box, and then he was like, oh, shoot, I got to get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's, it's taking these players just a second just because, like, these are things that they've been used to, you know, mm -hmm. taking their time, spit around, you know, and fix the bat, you know, retighten the gloves and get back into the box, take their time, saunter through it. And now this game is kind of speeding up a little bit. When you got times where a game is going to be like two hours and a half, like I'm all for that. Just get rid of some of the, the dead space in the game and maybe people will enjoy watching it a little bit more. Yeah. Luke, what you got? Yeah, I was curious about how the players felt about it, honestly. And obviously, you're going to have some guys on both sides of the fence. But it feels like, it, just in general, the majority of guys are excited about it. It's obviously going to speed up the pace, like Reggie said. Guys are going to be a little bit more anxious to get in the batter's box. Pitchers staying on the pitcher's mound. It'll probably shave about 20 minutes off each game, I would guess, on average, which I think was desperately needed for the league. But hopefully particularly with the lack of pickoff moves now, they're limited to just three, and with these larger bases too, that should create a lot more stolen bases too moving forward, which is exciting because that was kind of a part of the game that almost disappeared in modern times now the way the game has been played. Plus, you got the elimination of the shift as well. So I think bottom line, you put all these changes together, not only does it speed up the game, I think they all just make for a positive impact on the game, the way the fans are able to view it and watch it now moving forward. I'm excited about it. Sam. Yeah, in the spirit of the pitch clock, we'll keep this to 15 seconds. It was a long time coming, much needed. All the changes are great. However, I'm not a fan of it in the playoffs. I love the tension of the late inning, late season games, ninth inning, pitchers exhaling, taking their time on the mound. I actually enjoy that. So I think I'll miss that in the postseason. Oh, Sam, you were right at it, too. You were right at 14.96 seconds. Good job, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I'll say. 15 seconds for me, real quick, before we get out of here. 15 seconds for me seems a little fast. I would not mind it being like 24, like basketball, a 24-second shot clock in basketball. Just give the pitchers 24 seconds to do their deal. Because in basketball, 24 seconds, we are it's palatable. We watch it, and we enjoy it. I think baseball, twenty that extra nine seconds is not going to make a huge deal. I think it'll give the pitchers time to do their little crap. I think it'll give batters time to do their crap. And I think it's palatable for both sides. So 24 seconds. I think the old people need to just be quiet and, and let the game evolve the way it should. But that'll do it for us today on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Sam Ekstrom. And that's Luke Inman. And this is the Friday Roundtable. We want to thank everybody that continues to listen, down, download, subscribe. And please make sure you hit that subscribe button. And you can find us wherever 
you get your podcast. I want to thank you and have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.